So I have a question for you today. So if you're in the room, or if you're online, I want you to raise your hand if you're in the room, or maybe post online as, whenever you're watching this. Who likes to eat food? Glad we have a, a lot of food fans in here. When, when we eat, it's a very vulnerable act because we're taking something that was sitting who knows where sometimes, and we're opening our mouths and we're putting it into our bodies. Sometimes we take, things, sometimes we take food into our bodies um, with greater vulnerability than we take other people into our homes. But when we eat, we are reminded that creation, the land, the things which grow and feed on the fruits of the land are those same things which come into our bodies. Our bodies are not self-sufficient fortresses, but rather hubs of creation energy and matter. The food we eat enters into and becomes part of our body. The air which comes from the trees and flows through the lungs of other people and animals enters our lungs, bringing us life. And this has become even more evident over the course of the pandemic. The spread of COVID can enter our bodies through other people. As my preaching professor frequently said this past year, the masks which we have worn throughout the pandemic are a sign of our mortality, but they're also a sign of our connection. If our bodies were impenetrable fortresses, then sickness could only be a sign of internal failure. But at least diseases like COVID actually come from us or come from other people. They come from our, the world and come into our bodies. See, we live in creation, and creation lives in us. We bring creation into us so that it might become part of us. Even further, recently, scientists have been doing research on how uh, the human body is full of microbiomes. A biome is something that, fortunately, my earth science teacher in undergrad didn't make us memorize, but it's a, something like a desert or a tundra or a forest. But within our bodies, we also have some, some things that are home to bacteria and microorganisms and microbes. And this, this isn't always bad. These, are, these organisms and these microbiomes help us to regulate our bodies. They help us digest our food or bring creation into our bodies. They help protect our body from the disease which is caused by some things being in the wrong places. Creation is within us. Our own bodies are residences for creation even as other creaturely beings become part of us. But this shouldn't be surprising because we are creations ourselves. In Genesis, God made us from the mud. Adam, the Hebrew word sometimes translated as man, human, or person, is related to the word for dirt or mud, Adama. We are mud things. Say that with me. We are mud things. The soil makes and sustains our bodies. The food we eat comes from the ground and comes to become part of us. Nor do our bodies hold on to everything, but rather air, matter, and energy passes through us and then goes out into the rest of the world. Lastly, we're also not merely spirits using bodies. As mud things, we are inseparable combination of body and soul. God breathes into the soil 
that it might bring forth us into life. Just as Jesus' very body shared in God's resurrection power, so too we will experience bodily renewal. So we are both intimately connected to the land and are ourselves creature things in God's creation. And we're also intimately connected to each other. In one of my favorite passages in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul envisions the relationship of the church as the body of Christ. What if we took that really seriously? What if we really imagined and understood ourselves in relationship with, uh, with each other as members of a living body? If I am the liver, we'll go with that, then I am threatened if the arm is torn off or the arm is suffering. I'm threatened if the lungs are having a bad day. What if we really took seriously how deeply connected and dependent we are? If we saw not independency, but we sought interdependency, a way of life that is characterized by the celebration of our mutual connection with each other and with creation. John Donne, poet, scholar, and church cleric, put it this way, and when he writes man, we need to understand this in the most expansive way, including all people. He writes, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as any manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never sin to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. The funeral bell of another never rings out just for that other person, but also for us no matter our relation to that person, because we are connected. We are one body in humanity. We are one body in creation. But what happens when we are disconnected from creation? What happens when we are disconnected from each other? In the psalm we're reading today, we are reminded how this disconnect affects our very being. The inscription for today's psalm, Psalm 51, sets this psalm right after Nathan the prophet has come to David, after David has had Uriah the Hittite killed so David may possess Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. If you don't remember the story, Nathan confronts David, telling him a story about a rich man robbing a poor one of the last thing that man had out of greed and desire. David not understanding, tells Nathan that justice must be done for this poor man. And Nathan replies to David with chilling words, You are that man. Overcome with this sinful realization, David apparently prays with this confession and plea of this Psalm 51, Have mercy on me, O God. David finally hears the bell tolling for himself as his brother in God's created order, Uriah lays dead. So let's turn to our psalm today, as we're doing, I think, through a lot of this summer psalm series, or as I call it, the Summer Pasampa series. Um, we're going to do a, a responsive reading. Um, the words will be on the screen. I'm going to read the leader part, and uh, you will join in with the bold 
people congregation part. Um, one thing also, if uh, as we're going through this series, I wanted to continue to remind you, if you haven't got your psalm booklet, they're out in the front, so you can feel free to grab those after the service. But we're enjoying going through the psalms and listening to the way that they're speaking to our soul. So this is Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Against you, you only have I sinned and done that which is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless in your judgment. Behold, you, God, desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach us wisdom in our secret hearts. Make me hear with joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Deliver me from death, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. For you have no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. We have read this, the word of God, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What if God's saving work is more than we can imagine? When David orchestrated Uriah's death, he revolted against his own nature, the nature of creation and of creatures. Rather than receiving from God, David takes from creation an offense captured in our psalm's language as David speaks to God, against you, you alone have I sinned. This act of rejecting another person, whether through murder or other means, is a rejection of God, a rejection of who we truly are as creatures in relationship with one another and all that God has created. And just as David sought to take and possess in the name of desires not centered in God, So we too also consistently find ourselves in such postures, denying our creaturely nature as interdependent receivers and givers, and we instead try to live as if we could be independent takers and possessors. We do this at all levels of our human community. 
I know that I often like to hold on to what is mine, and sometimes I struggle to share. One of my roommates, um, he just moved out. He talked often about that we would have these common possessions in the kitchen, like we would share all the flowers and there's food, and anyone was welcome to that. Well, that was my roommate's opinion, and I was always like, I don't know about that. I'm not sure if that's, that's how I want to be. And yet, I also felt convicted because I felt like my roommate was speaking a word that was good for my soul, that was good for my ears. He was commending a practice that acknowledges who we are as receiving creatures. Sometimes I want to acquire things and hold on to them despite the consequences to others or the needs of others or to the environment. As a society, sometimes we try to amass wealth and take anything we need from our environment and others, specifically in relationship to our, uh, to our other creatorly things. We as humans, and especially those in the industrialized world, have abused our environments, cutting down trees in order to make room for our things and to build our buildings and to produce our energy. We've often taken the cheap way out in our use of natural resources without taking into account the costly externalities which affect our world. And the environment's degradation doesn't leave us unscathed. Even in our own bodies, the CDC has done research to suggest that changing climate conditions caused by deforestation and carbon buildup with the use of fossil fuels causes more respiratory and cardiovascular issues. Many people have been displaced uh, as uh, climate change and rising sea levels washes away their homes. We separate ourselves from creation as if we can transcend it. We look toward the stars and dream of rocket ships, but we don't always see the world burning or hurting around us. Yet we are a creation. We are intimately linked with this land where we find ourselves. We receive life from the soil, and yet we can often look away, separating creation from us. And so when we join with David in sinful separation from others in creation, we also need to cry with him in prayer to God, seeking forgiveness. But such disconnection cannot just be acknowledged and its guilt forgiven, Yes, we need God's merciful forgiveness, but we need God to do more. We need God to bring us back into creation, to bring us back into connection with ourselves, with others, and the world around us. We need God to create within us. So we seek forgiveness, but we also pray for healing, for reconnection, for recreation. And we say with David, create in me a clean heart, O God. And put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Create in me. The word create is not merely a word as we might use in daily parlance. I might say I need to create a lesson plan for Sunday school. Or let's, let's create a plan for this afternoon about what we're going to do. Now, this Hebrew word that we get this word create from is very special. It comes from the word bara. Can you say bara in here? Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I know that you, I can't hear y'all right now, but if you're worshiping with us online, you can also practice your Hebrew. Um, this word is quite special in the Old Testament. It's almost exclusively used throughout the Bible to talk about God as the one who is creating. In other words, humans cannot accomplish this act. This is a divine action. We see this word used to name God as creator, to talk about how God has created the world, how God has created us. In fact, this word is the one used in a probably familiar passage. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So this plea from David and this plea from us as we pray with him, create in me a clean heart, O God, it is a plea rightly directed to God. And it is a plea that connects our desire for cleansing and renewal with God's mighty act of creation in the beginning and even now. I hear this plea as a plea for God to bring David back into connection with creation and with others. The relationships with, uh, with other creaturely things which David and we have broken must be renewed, but only through God's gracious recreation within us. We need to reconnect. We need new life. David needs to be recreated from within, cleansed of the way in which his orchestration of murder has separated him from his own nature, from others, and from God. We as humans have rejected our connection to ourselves, to others, and to creation. We build and dominate and steal and punish, and we are killing ourselves. As the warning bell tolls for our created world and for those around us, so too does it toll for us. So we also pray with David to God, do not cast us away. We need God to bring us into relationship with our Holy Lord. We need God to bring us into relationship with those around us in our communities and across the world. We need God to bring us into connection and relationship with the very land which sustains us and feeds us. Only in receiving God's act of creation within us will we truly find the joy of God's salvation as we remember and rejoin with each other in creation. This vision of salvation transcends only the forgiveness of sins, although it certainly includes that. Sometimes when we think or talk about what God does to save us, we think of it as uh, forgiveness of sins almost in a legal sense, as if God has sat as judge and Christ's death removes our guilt as a great evidence clearing our names. As we pray of David, we do pray that our sins and transgressions are forgiven, but it goes so much deeper our God is greater than just giving us a blank slate and setting us on our way to figure out what to do. No, God does more. God will bring us into a community of others, restoring our relationships with God, with other people, and with creation itself. David prays confidently that God's salvation can be more than just forgiveness, but reconnection, restoration, and recreation. This experience of God's saving work lead us to a dramatic outward motion. Receiving, now we can proclaim and give. In this psalm, we pray with David, O oh Lord, open our lips and our mouths will declare your praise. Connection and recreation, that work God does within us, spills out into praise. 
After God has done the creation work of putting a clean heart and a willing spirit within us, our mouths cannot help when they are open to declare what God has done for us. This experience of God's saving work also leads us, as the psalm says, to teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will return to God. Now, this could be read in a self-righteous lens. I could come up here and say, well, I have been restored by God, and y'all need to know um, what, what, it is, what it means to follow God. But I've just prayed this whole psalm where I say, have mercy on, my, on, mercy on me, on God. I've prayed about my own transgressions. I have experienced this recreative work of God. So this is not a us talking down to other people. This is, this is me, a beggar, that has been forgiven and recreated by God, pointing, pointing other people that need this same work to God. The experience of God's saving work leads us to model that and declare that to the world. God's creation within us empowers us to live differently because no longer are we disconnected from ourselves and others. No longer do we deny who we are as creaturely receiving beings. No longer do we deny our place, our rootedness and dependence on the land and all other created things. We experience salvation alongside all of creation. One, one theologian, I, lo- I love how they explained this, explained how Christ sanctified all of creation. They said, in his baptism, the waters and all the creatures um, within them were sanctified. As Jesus was raised up on the cross, the air and all the flying things in the air were sanctified. And as Jesus' blood spilled onto the ground, the things of earth, the things that walk on the earth and the land itself was sanctified and restored by God. God works in us to connect us with creation as all of creation is renewed. Yet this starts with our prayer, our confession. Have mercy on us, O God. Have mercy on us, your creations, who forget this good news. Have mercy on us, your people, O God, who forget that we are a people united by your love. Have mercy on us, O God, that we may realize where we are, that we are recipients of your grace, your nourishment, and your sustenance. Have mercy on us, O God, that we may participate in your creative work, that we may participate in your connecting work so that we are no longer disconnected from ourselves, those around us, and creation itself. O oh God, put your creation within us. May we, mud things though we are, receive your saving work. So my friends in Christ, may we receive God's creation within us this and every day. Amen.